standby. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubiculars podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cube. <laughs> My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubiculist. Today... My friends, is one of my most favoritest of all days, and that is not just because in the actual, real, existing world it is um, a Friday, maybe, but I have combined said Friday with the internet. Friday's an internet. Who would have thought it would be a, such a hit with the masses? Um, I suppose I did, because I love Fridays and love internet. So, I'm kind of your average Joe Blow in a lot of ways, so why wouldn't the masses clamor for it as well? I thought to myself, I thought, I thought. Oh boy. Something I say at the top of every show, with the exception of Internet Days, is a sort of spoiler warning. However, on Internet Days, like today, which it is, I also say that I don't give warnings, which in itself is a sort of warning when you really dig down deep and think about it. But don't think too long, because I have such a goddamn jam-packed episode that I don't know what to do with myself. I have planned for this episode to be extra, extra long. Well, not extra, extra long, just one extra. For me, the standard length is a drive to work and a drive home from work. That equals one episode. Occasionally, I will just pick one drive and that'll be sort of a half, a half episode. Today, however, my plan, what I believe is going to happen is, I'm going to do the drive in today, I'm going to do the drive home tonight, and then I'm also going to do the drive in on my way in tomorrow. So it's going to be just so oozing with internet-y goodness that you won't know what to do with yourself. Before I forget, something else I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow and flourish like a beautiful flower. Uh, I'm going to go two for two in a row of remembering to say on Internet Days, as I try to always do, that there's an app for this. Podcast. For your listening pleasure, question mark, and convenience exclamation point. Available for free in the Android Google Play Store. If, like me, you are on an iDevice, uh, I do not have an app. However, if you add, if you add the mobile version of the Podbean site to your homepage, it is very app-like in its form and functionality. So thank you to the good people over at Podbean who host the site. I actually just got an email from them like a week ago saying that next month my subscription will be coming due. It's an automatic renewal, so I don't think I have too much to worry about as far as that. But the reason that's kind of interesting, which me, is because... It means we're coming up on a year of podcasts, so it's kind of interesting. 
Uh, I'm sort of uh, more interested in sort of marks, like the 100-episode mark, 200-episode mark, which I've already basically done all the work for, 300, which I have a plan for, you know, things like that, those sort of milestones, as opposed, as opposed to, the, like, the yearly ones. But uh, maybe I'll do something special. Actually, you know what I could really, really... going to go ahead and throw in an extra, really use your help on, is perhaps any ideas for episode... Or, sorry, our one-year anniversary. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, just in general, but perhaps with that in particular, you can tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood, perhaps email me to the address provided in the closing credits. Folks, I have to stop and get some uh, go-go juice because that's what we call gasoline in Canada. Mm-hmm. We do. Do not question it. Do not Google that fact. It is a, it is a fact. Trust me on this one. So uh, I will be back in a moment, uh, and I will be back with today's sponsor, in fact, because, jeez, jeez a Lou, we're packed to the tits already, and uh, we haven't even touched my internet-related things yet. Crazy. Crazy. Back in a Momo. Editing. 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 On the road again. Road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you, Voicebox. Today's sponsor is a restaurant called The Max. Once again, today's sponsor is The Max, located right next door to Bayside High. Thank you to them. Very much appreciated. Uh, I gotta hop right in. No further preamble. That was enough goddamn preamble. That may win the award for most preamble ever on this episode. Thank you for my trophy. Ping. Item the first is a episode? Eh. Is a video in the series of? Yeah, I like the sounds of that better. Is a video in the series of Jake and Amir. Jake and Amir, a couple of dudes who film videos and have done so for quite a few years now. Started off and still are on College Humor, and probably had a fairly large hand in building that site up to what it is today, so uh, that's impressive. They also post their videos on YouTube, which is where I watch them. Um, they have a podcast recently started called If I Were You, which I have been listening to. It's the only advice show on the internet, hosted by Jake and Amir. That is a joke that they do at the top of every show, which is amusing. <laughs> I, th- I wish they would leave a longer pause, though. Yeah, I love a good, a good long, in fact, too long. The longer, I don't want to say the longer the better, but go, go too long. When you think, when you think it's gone too long, your comedic pause, go, go two seconds longer than that. Anyways, enough about comedic pauses. Haha. <laughs> this episode, uh, I feel weird calling it an episode. Because it's just like a short little two, three, four, not usually more, minute video. This one was called Hotel Room. Quite often they will film these in uh, the offices of College Humor because they both work there, so they're doing it as if they are themselves, although I suppose extremely, crazily exaggerated versions of themselves, perhaps, that is accurate. 
this one, I guess they're on the road, so decided to do, I think, a couple now episodes in their hotel room, which is, uh, it's nice, nice little change of pace, especially when, like this one, is going to have me laughing out loud and the odd uh, comedy tear rolling down the odd cheek. For example, when Amir, who, uh, for the most part, gets the crazier of the roles in these videos, I think you could say. However, more recently, Jake has also occasionally been thrown a crazy role. They're, they're playing themselves, but usually one is sort of the straight man, and that is usually Jake, and Amir is the um, crooked man. Mm-hmm. For example, in this episode, several times Amir made the attempt to beat off while just lying next to Jake in bed. That didn't go over too well. Not go over too well. There was a long... Something they quite often do is just... Because these are short, short videos, it allows them to, and I think forces them to, rather than show things that happened previous, they will just talk about them in a sort of rant-type form often. Uh, in this case, it was that Amir had eaten a battery. <laughs> they then had to go to the hospital, where when he was x-rayed, they found several more batteries. <laughs> oh, God. And I, I think the highlight for me that had me going the most is that Amir would repeatedly call room service, and despite the fact that they obviously can see the room number when called, he would be prank phone calling them by uh, placing an order and then towards the end of said order asking them to put the order up their ass is yes hmm. am i doing it justice here by just saying it no not at all however part of my ha, internet day philosophy is that because i say there was tears of comedy coming out of my eyes with the laughter that i had watching this will potentially, I hope, mean that you go over there and watch it for yourself. Hey, why not? Or, the other possibility that I kind of like maybe even more is that you've already watched it, and we just shared together a little reminiscent sensosities of our laughter experience together. Oh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay, let's move on to item second, which is a panel. Just a panel. Here, you can't see it, but it's very, very nice and smooth. No, a panel at a sort of, kind of, kind of, sort of Comic-Con type panel. This one, in particular, took place at PAX, which stands for the Penny Arcade Expo. And the panel in question was called Panel of Adventure and Wonder with Revision 3. Revision 3, the YouTube channel and website that uh, I have brought back quite a number of videos over the last couple of months. So it was nice to see sort of the people who do the videos sit down in front of a large group of people and shoot the shit for, you know, an hour and change, I do believe it was. I didn't and do not tend to, in my free now cons get to many panels. I went to LeVar Burton's and I've been to two with uh, Victor Lucas and gang. That's it. Just because uh, quite often I will be out and about taking pictures of folks with my nerd cane. Oh, hey, plug, 
self-plug time. Self-plug, self-plugulation I'm going to do right now. If you want to, Google Nerd Kane Adventures. You can see what I'm talking about. Because it probably makes zero sense without seeing what I'm talking about. So uh, at this panel was uh, Adam Sessler, of course. Uh, Tara Long, as well as Max Scoville. And a newish, new, newish new guy called Anthony Carboni, who I don't think I've really seen too much in the way of videos with him in it yet. So maybe he's just sort of working up to it a bit. Uh, something that Adam Sessler talks a lot about from time to time, I should say, is YouTube commenters. <laughs> in fact, they all do. If you, goddamn, it's horrible. If you roll down and look at the comments of some of the videos these guys do. They are just some of the most acidic and make-me-hate-human-beings comments that have ever existed in the history of comics on you comments on YouTube. It's, it's sad. And why is it like that? They're putting up free videos for us to enjoy, and yet you're talking shit about them. Like, come on. And plus, they're awesome, so... You don't even have that to fall back on. You don't even have to fall back on the fact that they're not good, because they are good. So damn you, YouTube commenters. Damn you. I leave uh, YouTube comments, uh, and quite often I have, actually, on the Revision 3 YouTube videos, just because uh, their videos kind of, I don't want to say beg for comments, because that's not true, but they sort of lend themselves well for comments, or even go so far as to ask for responses or questions or things like that. And I always leave nice ones. I've never once left a mean one. If I have something nice, something not nice to say about a video, I will perhaps think it, perhaps say it out loud, but why do I need to let them know that I didn't like it? It's ridiculous. So Adam put on a bit of a spelling bee. They each, uh, it was kind of interesting. I've never seen a panel like this where each of the members came up and did a little sort of slideshow ditty comedy sketch feel to it. Uh, and it worked out very well. Got a lot of uh, laughs from the crowd and uh, a few from me as well. So thank you. Uh, for example, Tara Long played a game and Jesus Christ, it's got to be tough being like one of the few women in video game reviewership because she posted sort of a series of videos side by each, where one would be uh, her reviewing a video game, and one would be just sort of, for example, <laughs> the first one they used, which I think they should save for, for last, was the video of Miley Cyrus twerking, that now famous or perhaps infamous video. Anyway, so she would put both those up and then pop up a comment, and you would have to guess which comment uh, was appeared under which video. Yeah, yeah. And sadly, it was always a rude and disgusting comment that should have been under the rude and disgusting video, but no, no, was under her video. Things like, I don't know, let me see your boobs. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing your boobs, but <laughs> I don't think I would leave that in a YouTube comment. I would say it on a podcast, apparently. Oh, geez. Going down the rabbit hole here. Uh, Max Scoville, who apparently and this is twice I've seen evidence of this now, is famous, quote-unquote, for his hair. He does have some pretty cool-looking hair. Uh, I suppose I'll give him that. And uh, I guess people ask him about how he gets his hair to, to look the way it was, the way it is. 
and uh, he did a little uh, demonstration, uh, not a demonstration, but kind of a slideshow about said hair. And lastly, Anthony Carboni, uh, I think he did a good job, so uh, looking forward to seeing videos with him in the future more often. I think he's just kind of like new to the team, so good for that. But been in, been in the biz, been in the biz, which allowed him to do his section, which uh, was something along the lines of pointing out the fact that video game reviewers, such as these four, will quite often be accused of not actually playing video games, not actually being quote-unquote gamers which uh, is a very, very strange opinion to have. I suppose the possibility exists that there exists in the world today people who review video games in different forms of media that do not actually play the video games. Uh, sure, I don't, I don't want to be cynical, but sure, that possibility exists. But I don't think that's the norm. And why would you make the assumption that that is the norm? It seems like a, a, an illogical step to take in your thought process. So uh, he pointed out sort of funny things along that kind of line of thought. And uh, I will leave that behind because, well, I'm at work. Hey, so because I'm at work, that means I will stop talking. Well, I'll probably talk while in work because part of my day involves talking. However, I will be back in eight hours for more of this and different of this. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, oh my job. What are you doing? I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Back in action indeed. Why don't I, with zero preamble, jump right in? Mm, yeah, no, I, I thought for a second there if I had a reason for preamble, but I do not. However, my brief foray into thoughts of preambleness was, in a sense, a bit of a preamble. Yeah, how about that? Layers. We're talking layers here, people. Item the third is a little thing that I have brought back on occasion. Not by any means very often, but when one tickles my fancy, I say to myself, I say, I say, Hey, Jordan, other people should know of this, because it is amusing. I am, of course, talking about the YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Normal difficulty. Yeah. Matt, the curator and creator over at Normal Difficulty, will post videos. What's... I believe could be called machinima videos quite often. Yeah, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Basically, it's just sort of his color commentary over top of him playing video games. Now, me describing it does not do it justice. Some of my favorite of his episodes, and I should say very rarely, if ever, have I seen one where I have, at the very least, not just give it, given out a sort of, <laughs> one of those. This one had me laughing loudly. He was playing a scary, scary game called Outlast. Ooh. Oh, you know what? This gives me the perfect opportunity to do my scary, scary noise. Why don't I do that? Here goes a nothing. Scary noise.
toys completed. The reason I like when he does this, plays scary games, is he will play them by himself in a dark room, and he <laughs> has the scream of a, I'm going to go 14 and a half year old girl. <laughs> so to see that issuing from his face is very, very amusing. And uh, I do believe I'm not the only one who finds this amusing. I think he gets a lot of requests to play games such as this. And trooper that he is, we'll go through with it. Despite the fact that perhaps does not sort of seemingly what I've gathered from his reactions to these videos. I don't think he exactly likes playing these super scary video games all the time. But goddamn. Goddamn. I'm glad that he does. Outlast. Looked uh, pretty scary, had some scary moments. Takes place in an asylum. Every, you know what, that kind of makes me want to play it even more just because just about every time I've mentioned an asylum on this podcast, it has been sort of in conjunction with something very, very good. For example, Asylum of the Daleks. Huh? Huh? There was a movie I watched not too long ago that took place in an asylum. Oh, uh, no, it was um, American Horror Story colon Asylum. And by that I don't mean colon asylum, because I don't think there's such thing as an asylum for colons. But uh, I rather mean to throw a colon between the title American Horror Story and Asylum. Okay? Just so we're clear, sort of combining an asylum with scary, scary stuff is, uh, is a win-win, I do believe. So uh, maybe I'll check out that game. Uh, Jordan, Metal Note, see if it's available on Steam. Okay, so maybe I'll play that and bring it back on a for video games day. See if I can man up and play it. I will be honest that uh, Matt over here at Normal Difficulty played, um, oh shit, what's it called? So, you're having a brain fart here. He played a scary game that I also played. He played it by himself in the dark. I played it by myself in the sense that the missus was upstairs and in the dark in the sense that I had all the lights on. <laughs> Because it was pretty scary. But, uh, Amnesia. It was called Amnesia. A very, very f popular, scary, scary game that came out not too, too long ago. Uh, actually, just on that note, which I like to, from time to time, use the phrase, on that note. Oh, boy. Um, Asylum, or sorry, Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs, was the sequel that just, just came out not too long ago at all. I saw a review for it, and it's... Kind of sounded like it wasn't as good, so I'm not sure if I'll bite the bullet and play that one. I, I kind of don't think I will. Uh, in this game, seemed like a lot of it uh, used a bit of a gimmick, which is a night vision camera, and seems kind of what that is, is a gimmick. The sort of combination of having to use a night vision camera because it's pitch black, mixed with the fact that the batteries on said camera were not infinite, uh, I suppose can lead to some tension, but uh, I want a game that doesn't need to use things such as that to raise tension. Gimmicky? I don't know. You tell me. There were points of this video. Actually, I should mention this is two videos that I watched in a series. I don't think he's done yet. What he does is kind of interesting. He has two YouTube channels, one where he will just post the videos unedited. 
and one in which he will edit them down. I usually just watch the edited down versions of them. Sometimes I'll travel over to the other channel, but not but not often. So there should, from the sounds of it, be more of these coming out, which I am looking forward to. Well, yeah, what I was saying is there was points during these videos where I thought potentially he was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> It, uh, I think it's the, the whole laughing at other people's misfortunes, which is why these are, uh, I do believe, very, very popular. Definitely popular with me, and uh, I like them. So I bring them back. Hey, it's just what I uh, do. Okay, let's move on to... A TED Talk. Yes, I have a TED Talk. I feel like I haven't brought back a TED Talk in a while. It's just that I do believe a TED Talk title hasn't pulled me in, which is usually the only time I watch a TED Talk, is if the title, I feel like I'm saying lots of T's here, is if the TED Talk title is something that is interesting, something that makes me go, oh man, I want to know what this is all about. This title, this TED Talk title, I like saying that. Say it to yourself. Um, on that note, oh god, see, I say that a lot, I feel. When something like that comes up, like TED Talk title, I will always sort of turn to the missus and say, oh, this is fun to say, say it for yourself. And she never goddamn will, and it infuriates me. When things are fun to say, they're fun to say. Just goddamn well fucking say them. Oh boy. Oh boy. Every once in a while she does when she knows that it would mean a lot to me. So maybe maybe that's smart on her part, not just to willy-nilly do it every time I tell her just that something said is fun to say, like a TED Talk title. Okay, note completed. This one was called How Technology Allowed Me to Read. Oh, very, very interesting. As a reader, as a reader whose favorite thing in the world that he could not give up for all the tea in China, that's a saying, uh, yeah, big fan of reading, basically. Went to school, and I mean post-high school, in order to pursue a career in the library sciences. The course was library technician. I am not currently working in a library. Huh. I do read a lot. I do have a library at home, which I use library software to keep track of, along with all my DVDs and video games, so... I'm getting it in, my library fix, scratching that library itch a little bit. Anyways, this talk was from a, uh, a man who was, I guess, in his 60s, 70s, who was not born blind, but had been blind for the vast majority of his life. So it was all sort of things throughout his life that allowed him to experience books. Uh, I guess you would still call it reading some of the times, like when he is, his sort of first example was Braille. And I guess that's sort of the most obvious one, right? I guess you would still consider that reading a book. However, uh, a lot of his examples involved having books read on tape and then him listening to them. Would you still consider that reading? I used to, before the podcast, to and from work, what I would do is listen to books. And I think I just answered my own question there by saying I used to listen to books. I don't exactly consider it reading. I don't know, one man's opinion, throwing it out there, as it, as I do. He spoke of, and I didn't realize they had this technology back in, like, the 70s, but uh, the ability to have computers read out loud to you. So uh, text inputted into a computer, 
into this computer device, which would then read out loud in that sort of computer voice that we all know and love. <laughs> Something I like about that that I even wrote down was these things were 84 kilobytes. That was their sort of capacity. 84 kilobytes. <laughs> the guy giving a talk said, and I believe without exaggeration, that his watch has more memory now than that device had. Cool. Cool, cool beans. This talk combines some of my favorite things, which are reading, which are technologies, which are uh, sort of an un underlying heartwarmingness. So I will definitely highly recommend that you uh, listen to this one. Uh, the guy had the odd joke, so some comedy in there. Really, really, if you're doing a TED Talk, I recommend watching this guy's because he kind of hits all the buttons you want in a TED Talk. Uh, very, very good. You know what? Would have been good if the goddamn name curse hadn't struck once again. I would have written down his name, but I did not. That's a shame. He's like a professor. I remember that much. But the name curse, people. The name curse. I feel like, since we're doing an extra-long episode, and I do this from time to time regardless, I'll tell you about the name curse. The name curse was brought about when... Receiving a blowjob, I ran over a gypsy woman's husband and killed him. She then cursed me with the inability to remember names, or even write them down for that matter. So, a little behind-the-scenes gypsy curse type action there for you. I'm going to move on now, as I should do, because my time is not abundant on this globe. Mmm, dark. What I brought back next is item number five. Man, we're really chugging along on this episode. However, five is actually factually broken up into two separate um, thingamabobberos. Five A and five B, let's call them. Five A, the reason I've decided to consider this one item, despite being two items, is because they are both geek and sundry vlogs. That is, Geek and Sundry, the YouTube channel, has spun off on a separate channel a series of Foken who will post videos um, a la a sort of web blog, but they're on videos, so rather than call them a blog, you call them a vlog with a V for video. That is what they have done. That is just what they have done. And I like them. They are good. They are nerdy folk shooting the shit at cameras for me to listen to. I have brought back two of them. The first is, I will admit, my favorite. My favorite of all the vloggers. His name is, I think I might have even brought him back before, now that I'm sort of talking about him. His name is Jeff Lewis. He, you may know, or may recognize from, a little something called The Guild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I said that like I had anything to do with the guild, but I obviously did not. The guild with uh, Felicia Day, who is sort of the creator and curator of the Geek and Sundry uh, metaverse, let's say. Oh, wow. Getting really technical here. Anyways, uh, Jeff Lewis played a character on that, and uh, apparently, as I have gathered through my various watchings of his vlogs, he's a very funny dude. Super, super funny. In fact, very high in the comedy chops. And uh, something else we talk about from time to time is the JPMs, which stands for Joke 
per minute, and uh, he's got some some pretty goddamn high JPMs going on in these videos, so I like them very much, and uh, I probably will try to bring them back more often, because his sort of style of video fits kind of perfectly into the LibroCube in the sense that he takes questions from YouTube subscribers of his videos and then uh, answers them on his vlog. So the reason that fits well here is because I can use the same goddamn questions, steal them like a thief, a thieving bastard. So <laughs> let's see uh, what um, happens. For example, a question involving, and I'm not going word for word here, a question involving what would you do if you had an extra arm? Yeah, let's say that. His answer, what was it? Uh, ridiculous. And thereby funny. Yeah, I can't remember what it was though. Oh shit, and I didn't write it down. Apparently the name curse is moving on into extra appendages related things. What would I do if I had an extra arm? Well, right now, I think driving is sort of a good example of times when an extra arm could be used efficiently. Right now, I'm holding the steering wheel with both hands. However, within one of my hands is also my notepad, which I will glance down at from time to time. It's still technically, it's safe. I'm being safe, okay? Jesus. But uh, an extra hand to hold the notepad would be perhaps beneficial. He had the sort of classic pancakes versus waffles questions. Ooh, what do you do? What do you do? I actually just sort of, on that note, once a week I will have pancakes for breakfast, and once a week I will have waffles for breakfast. So I've sort of eliminated the necessity for this very question. He went waffles because they hold syrup, but thought that if a pancake could be invented that had sort of cups within it, a la a waffle, it would be a pretty goddamn good thing. And um, wow, kind of kind of mind-blowing stuff going on here, obviously. Uh, I can't read my um, last note regarding this talk. No. Oh, uh, okay, I think I could make it out. It's something along the lines of he will end every vlog by uh, talking to his kid sort of off screen. His kid who's full of moxie and vim and vigor and uh, <laughs> it's pretty goddamn hilarious. This time Mr. Lewis asked his kid um, about the new television show Under the Dome. Uh, Under the Dome, I should mention, I brought back to the Liberal Cube on ATV Tuesday the first three or four episodes and mentioned in that episode that I didn't think I was going to continue on with watching it. It wasn't sort of pulling me in. Mostly, probably, possibly because I read the book, which was friggin' awesome. Five out of five, I, I gave it. Maybe gave it even on the podcast. I don't know. I can't keep track of every goddamn episode. This is episode 180 something. Anyways, he asked his kid, how should the people under the dome get out from underneath the dome? And from the mouths of babes, had the answer come back, open the door. <laughs> open the door. I like it. like it very much. The second vlogger that I have... I have trouble saying vlog. The second vlogger that I have brought back is one I know I have not brought back before. Oh, jeez, that sentence got away from me a little bit. Her name is Kiri Callahan. Aha! Kiri Callahan, who just recently posted this vlog about her experience at Fan Expo. Hey, 
Wait a second. I was at Fan Expo. In fact, I think I've already brought it up and plugged myself once this episode. Did I yesterday? Did I this morning, I mean? I can't keep track of what day and time it is. What the hell, I'll give myself another plug. I'm allowed. If you care to see Fan Expo stuffs involving a cane getting autographed by nerdy people and held by nerdy cosplayers, what you can do is Google Nerd Kane Adventures, and you can see just what I'm talking about. Kiri Callahan was one of the kind geek and sundry vloggers who were actually at Fan Expo, who, the reason I say are kind, was because when I tweeted at them if they were coming, um, they responded, hey, directly to me even. So, very, very kind of them, taking the time out of their, I assume, busy schedules to say, yes, we are going to that thing that you are going to. I tried to, and perhaps next year I will be a little more proactive about, uh, get them to get some pictures with Nerd King. Assuming that there are going to be Geek and Sundry vloggers at Fan Expo next year, uh, I'm going to try to make that happen. So, you know, wish me luck. What I also do when I say things like this about people is pass this podcast on to them. So I will do that as well. Um, potentially, it has happened that people I have passed the podcast on to have actually goddamn listened to it. So, you never know. If that is the case, Jeff Lewis and Kiri Callahan, hello! Kiri Callahan's vlog was very, very good because it gave me a little of that uh, fan expo nostalgia. Got me a little pumped up for what I had experienced and what I will goddamn experience next year. So uh, it was nice to look back on it, even though it's only been like a month and change or so. She went around the Fan Expo and uh, asked people how they sort of got into their various geekeries and nerdiosities. Uh, quite a few of the answers, including, I do believe, Kiri's herself, was video games. So uh, I like that thought. She spoke of her having a Atari 2600, which I also had. Something different in her family that I don't think was the norm, definitely wasn't in mine, was that video gaming was a family affair. So uh, I very, very much like that thought, and I think that a family that did that together on a regular basis would be much closer. So I've tried to pull the misses into video games with limited to no success. We did play a little uh, Portal, Portal 2, so that was a, it was an interesting experience, and I will leave it at that because I don't have enough time to get into what that was like. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. I thought maybe I would sort of, just as I'm about to pull into home, very quickly wrap this up with saying how I got into geekery. And that was, I think, first and foremost, probably Star Trek was when I kind of realized that my nerdishness was prominent in my personality. However, another thing was, it's a wide range of things. I don't have time to get in all of them. And they've probably popped up a goddamn million times over the course of 180 some odd podcasts. However, one that sort of sticks out in my mind is Monty Python. Because uh, I like to consider myself a comedy nerd and Monty Python being a part of my early comedy nerdish development. And I remember a time watching Monty Python and then saying to my friends 
oh man, you got to see this. This thing is amazing. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And then showing it to them, and then they just, what the hell are you talking about? This is stupid. Why, why are we watching this? Turn it off. That kind of idea. So that's when I realized, realized at that point, perhaps, well, probably, you know what? I'm thinking didn't realize right at that moment, but sort of looking back, think that perhaps that was an early indicator that uh, I am a nerd, and perhaps those around me are not. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Folks, I am at home. However, as predicted, as I planned even, I'm going to be back tomorrow for two more items. I need some sort of transition here because it's not a work time transition. It's not a end of episode transition. So what I'll probably do is push this button that says transition on it now. Transition. Hello again. Again. Oh, yeah. I don't get to say that very often. Hello again. Again. But uh, no, extra long episode. So there you go. Because this is a extra long episode, I thought, hey, why not get two sponsors in here and make twice the amount of money? So, I says to myself, I says, the missus, hey, why don't you start pulling your weight around here a little goddamn bit and rustle me up a sponsor? Yeah, put my foot down, really put it down. So that's just what she did. This portion of the program is brought to you by the sponsor that the missus... Um, came up with? It is Bridge Troll Dinkies. Once again, this portion of the program is brought to you by the Mrs.'s sponsor that she um, rustled up, and that is Bridge Troll Dinkies. Thank you to them? Oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I have, for this last portion of the show, two, count them, two items that uh, I should be able to fit in with not too much difficulty. So, uh, let's see what we see. The first item is called Made Man. I've brought back one or two of these before. It is very, very podcast-like in its form and function. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could kind of say it's a podcast. It is on YouTube. It is hosted by Mr. Paul F. Tompkins, and he will have a series of rotating guests that he will sit down and have a little chat with. So uh, that's basically a podcast. I think it's just sort of the the filming of it makes it feel less podcasty than when it's audio only, and I don't think that's a fair thing to say, but that's just kind of how I feel about podcasts. It is an unfair thought, but it is a thought nonetheless. They are always good. I have yet to see a bad one. Quite often with podcasts, I will only watch podcasts if the guest is someone I care about. These, I don't care who the guest is, because Paul F. Tompkins is, for me, for my bank, for my buck, one of the funniest dudes in show business today. So there's some praise. Why not? In this one, I did care about the guest. <laughs> That's kind of mean to say that sometimes I don't care about the guests, but this one I did. The uncaring ones shall remain nameless, as I probably do not remember their names. There you go. This guest was Mark Paul Gossler, who you may remember and recall as a Mr. Zach Morris, 
who attended a Bayside High and was quite often in a real pickle, but then was saved by the bell. I don't actually remember him ever being saved by the bell. Was he ever like, oh no, I'm about to get beat up, and then a bell rang, and he's like, phew, did that, did that scene ever take place? I don't know. I hope it did. I hope it did. If it did not, I think on his current show, Franklin and Bash, there should be a scene where he's in a real bind, and then like a bell rings and he's suddenly saved. And he, and then he could utter the words, whew, saved by the bell. That would be goddamn awesome. So, please somebody do that. I, I know a lot of my listeners are on the, uh, Franklin and Bash writing team. So, you know, just saying. Throwing that out there. Quite often these episodes of Made Man are broken up into two parts, but I kind of just combine them into one since I watch both, and they both go hand-in-hand, so why the hell not? The sort of format is Paul F. Tompkins and Guest will meet in a bar, the same bar, I do believe every time, and uh, they'll have a drink. What I sort of gather, although they never really say it outright, I don't think, is that the Guest will pick what they are going to be drinking during the episode. <laughs> that just reminds me of the last one, and I actually forget the name of the guest, but he wanted to beat the record for most drinks over the course of an episode, and I think he drank seven drinks, which is uh, pretty impressive. This one started out with uh, Mr. Mark Paul Gosler had on a fake mustache, and... Uh, <laughs> Went a fair, uh, a fair amount of time into the interview before it was sort of called out that he had a fake mustache on. So, uh, again, I very, very much appreciate Paul F. Tompkins and his commitment to the fake comedic mustache. Uh, Mark Paul Gossler turns out pretty funny dude. Yeah, hey. So, uh, I like that. Finding out through podcasts that people you know about, uh, finding out that they are actually funny. It always, uh, it always tickles me and then sort of turns me into a lifelong fan. So that is just what has happened here. Every time I have brought up the television show Franklin and Bash, which for some reason it seems to come up often lately, I don't know why that is, uh, I mentioned that I saw one episode at my in-laws and uh, very much enjoyed it. And I think it is a show that would be ideal for a binge watch. So (laughs) I hate to say this, but I do this all the time. When it is no longer on the air, that's probably when I'll pounce on it and uh, get my watch on. On the note of Franklin and Bash, his co-star, Breckenmeyer, he said it so fast, I'm pretty sure it's two names, Breckenmeyer, but he always says it, Breckenmeyer. Uh, you, you know him, if you see him, he's, he's uh, one of those dudes. To see him is to know him is to love him, question mark? I don't know. Anyways, uh, I like how he spoke Quite, quite a bit about how he and Breckenmeyer are actually factually, in real life, close friends. So uh, that kind of thing just sort of blows me away and makes me think that this is yet another reason why that show is going to be good. Because if it's two buds who are actual factual buds, who are forced to hang out day in, day out, for weeks on end, and are having a good time doing so, that's going to come across on screen. I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, so I like that thought. Uh, Mr. Zach Morris talked about growing up in the industry, and here's something that I imagine most people don't know. Uh, Saved by the Bell, he filmed it, and and while this was being filmed, he was in normal, everyday sort of high school. 
it was not till he graduated from high school that the show went into syndication. So basically, it didn't. Ex- a way to look at it is it didn't explode and become popular until he was no longer in high school, which allowed him to have a sort of very normal high school life, which is pr- probably why he has turned out um, good and not a creep and jerk and showbiz type. If uh, showbiz type is a definition of character, I'm not sure, but I think it might be. The second part that this, again, we'll just call it podcast, was broken into uh, is quite often Paul F. Tompkins will play sort of a game with the guest, and that will be the second part of the interview process. This one was a very, very good idea, and uh, again, showed off some of Mr. Mark Paul Gossler's comedy and improv chops, and that was... Paul F. Tompkins would throw out modern-day scenarios that Zach Morris could be in, and uh, Mr. Gossler would have to sort of come up with how he believes Zach would react to them in this day and age. (laughs) So the first one, and this is just the first one, was what if he caught Screech in a sort of uh, catfish-type scenario? And by that I mean, just in case you don't know of the show or movie Catfish, uh, Screech is online pretending to be a woman and trying to pick up Zack because he's always loved him, that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, that tickles me. Tickles me very good. There's one here about, um, he asked what if AC Slater became addicted to CrossFit? That one was funny because <laughs> Mark Paul Gosser's like, what do you mean I CrossFit? And I think he was being serious that he actually does. Lastly, was one where uh, A.C. Slater came out of the closet to Zach Morris, <laughs> which I'm sure is in a fan fiction somewhere, and uh, how would he react to that scenario? <sighs> very, very good. And very, very funny. Highly recommend you go check that out. Okay, so that will take us into our last item of this goddamn super uh, duper jam-packed episode, which is... Which is, of course, an episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Ha ha! You thought we were going to go an entire hot internet day without mentioning the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Chris Hardwick. Friend of the podcast, although he does not know it exists. Yes. Uh, I have, with the exception of one hot internet day episode mentioned in one way or another, Mr. Chris Hardwick, nerdiest of nerdy nerds. Uh, someone who I greatly admire, and the missus does believe I have a sort of man crush on. I'm not going to deny it. Not going to deny it. He sat down with, as he does on his podcast, someone and talked to them. Specifically, in this case, a Mrs. Katie Seagal. Ah. Uh, the reason I kind of wanted to bring this one back is manyfold, but uh, one of the reasons is that the missus is a huge, huge, huge Katie Seagal fan. Probably, if I had to guess, and perhaps I should have asked her, her number one favorite person in the world, well, it's me, obviously. No, probably not. Uh, Number one (laughs) favorite person in the world is um, Betty White, and then distant from Betty White is everyone else. However, definitely probably in her top five of favorite people in the entire world is Miss Katie Seagal, so 
Uh, that combined with the fact that I'm a huge fan, uh, watched Married with Children back in the day when it was on TV, bought the DVDs, and rewatched, have seen every episode at least twice. At least twice. Many of them more than twice. Futurama, many episodes seen probably nearing five times. Some of them only once of the newest, but I plan once the uh, quote-unquote final season, the fourth final season becomes available on DVD, we'll pick that up. And I'm thinking possibly maybe starting back at the beginning and rewatching just just because. Uh, and then Sons of Anarchy, my plan, is sort of as my plan is, as I just mentioned, for Franklin and Bash. I think it'll be sort of a perfect, even a, a sort of perfect example of a show that would fit well in a binge-watching. Uh, the Misses is a, just a goddamn, I think it's her favorite show on TV. A lot of that has to do with, oh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, he's in Fifty Shades of Grey now. The, the, I don't know what his name is. I don't even have a guess, actually, to be honest with you. But uh, that guy, she's a little bit of a fan of him, which uh, is all right with me. Uh, I think a lot of guys, when f they find out their wives or girlfriends or what have you, find out they like certain celebrities, it maybe puts them off, makes them jealous. I like it, because anything that turns the missus on, it's not like she's going to go to this guy. <laughs> she's going to come to me. So I reap the rewards of her being turned on by this guy. Thank you, this guy, that will remain nameless as I cannot remember it. What was I saying? Yeah, uh, Sons of Anarchy, I will definitely watch, and I want to watch, but uh, I, I think I want to watch when it is off the air, and I can watch it all at once. Okay. Okay. Uh, Katie Segal's father was a director, and a lot of her family is sort of in the biz. So uh, I always find that kind of interesting, because she seems, from this interview, which is probably where I've heard her talk the most, but, uh, but other things as well, she seems to be a sort of down-to-earth, normal, nice person. That is what she's putting across anyways, and I think that is difficult to fake for an entire career. So uh, I, I like that thought, that she has managed in a business that can, I believe, often turn people into not very nice people. She has remained uh, nice. We end this podcast with, it's nice to be nice to the nice for a reason, and it's things like that. You may be unaware that Mr. Chris Hardwick did a couple of episodes of Married with Children. <laughs> I like this because... Uh, Katie Segal did not recall this fact, however, she did, you know, goddamn, was it 10 or 11 seasons of this show, so the odds of her remembering every single person who popped in are slim. It is both a slim chance and a fat chance, so, uh, it was still kind of funny, because he played it like he was upset over this fact, although he, yeah, I'm sure he was not. Miss Segal, when she got into the biz, her sort of first and foremost... Um, jobs, I guess you would say, her loves, were to be a singer. And she has, in fact, released definitely uh, two records, because she spoke of how when doing Married with Children, she, re re she released a record, and she has just released another one. Uh, kind of funny slash maybe a little sad, definitely on her part, that when she released the record while she was still filming Married with Children and went around sort of plugging it, uh, nobody really wanted to talk about it. They just wanted to talk about Married with Children and sort of 
thought or believe that the record was somehow a tie-in with the show, which has got to be a little disheartening that a craft that you are perhaps even more in love with than your acting craft is being, uh, I think, poo-pooed is a way you could look at it. So I don't like that. She is a intermittent meditator. <laughs> That's a quote, too. I like that quote. Intermittent meditator. So uh, they spoke of meditation and its sort of benefits and things like that. I, I suppose I can kind of see the quieting of your brain is a good thing. I actually, sort of on that note, think that this podcast has become for me a sort of form of meditation in the sense that normally all these things that I am saying are basically just rattling around in my head. I am consuming vast quantities of media in the form of movie, TVs, books, video games, and internets, and then it would just sit in there and didn't have a sort of outsource for it, which this has become. So I think it has helped on a sort of psychological type level uh, and made me perhaps a saner individual. You never know. A saner individual is what I was saying there. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> she says that uh, Ron Perlman does not remember his lines. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, uh, you know what? On that note, how about not plug the third, I do believe. I had uh, Mr. Ron Perlman sign my Nerdy Nerdy Game, which, if you Google... Now I feel like I'm just friggin' shilling. Shilling? What's the word? Trucking? Driving? No. Shilling? Anyways, I feel like I'm selling out, although I'm not doing this for money, so the selling is not happening. I'm just outing. Uh, if you care to Google Nerd Kane Adventures, you could see Mr. Ron Perlman sign, or autograph, if you prefer, my Nerdy Nerdy Kane at Fan Expo 2013. Thank you, Mr. Perlman. Mr. Perlman is a goddamn giant. He's got hands the size of, I'm going to go pineapples, a very sizable pineapple. That's the size of his hands. Uh, she spoke a little bit, well, about everything. Marital children, Futurama, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I like the thought that one of the reasons she got the job on Futurama was because sort of the only, well, maybe not the only, because she auditioned, but uh, she had the opportunity to audition because her and Matt Groening, which I always feel like I screw up his name, Matt Groening started at Fox at the same time which is why they uh, sort of hooked up and got on that show together. Jesus Christ, uh, it is foggy as fuck. I feel like I'm driving through Silent Hill right now. Thus concludes Jordan's weather talk. I cannot see, man. <laughs> this is scary. I'm almost at work, seconds away, in fact, so I will have to wrap this up. Uh, another sort of stepping stone, which this makes sense, as soon as she said it, that the reason she was able to get out of, not get out of, but move from the comedy of Married with Children and Futurama into something like Sons of Anarchy was because of her uh, guest appearances on the television show Lost. And I actually never put two and two together, but that makes a sort of total logical sense. She was goddamn really good in Lost. Uh, I will. I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned Lost on this podcast before, but I will say about that, Lost episode number one is, I do believe the absolute best first episode of a TV show that there has ever been. Wow. It's, <laughs> unfortunately, has nowhere to go but down from there. I love the show, but you cannot 
go up from that first episode. So, you know, just on that note. Okay, uh, I'm going to leave this episode behind by saying one final thing about Miss Katie Seagal, and that is she went to uh, university, or was it college? doesn't matter. And dormed with Paul Rubens and David Hasselhoff. Folks, that is Pee Wee Herman and David Hasselhoff and Katie Seagal rooming together in college. That just blew my mind. I hope it blew yours. I hope I have blown you. And, uh, you know, that'll end her as it does. Oh, hey, final note. David Hasselhoff, same Nerdcane adventure as Ron Perlman signing said Nerdcane. Hey, further plug to end the episode. That'll leave the final thing to say, which is always the final thing to say, which is, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.